What is going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. I am very grateful to have your attention, at least for the next 15 minutes of this episode. Forward Thinking Founders is a podcast where I interview pre-seed and seed stage founders about their products, what they want to build into the world, and why. We dive into how they spend their time, what's their vision, what's the origin of stories, all these things, so you can learn all about what's coming tomorrow. Because these companies haven't hit critical scale yet. Most of them haven't hit product market fit. These are just early stage companies, and the big question is, what can this be? And in this podcast, we bring that out. So with that, I really hope you enjoy your time listening to today's episode. And I've already done 200 plus, so if you like this one, listen to some of the other ones, like with Imadi Kuhn, Austin Allred, Leah Culver. We have great interviews, so check it out. Enjoy the repository, and for now, let's get into today's episode. Here we go. All right. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we talk to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how those two collide. Today, I'm very excited to have Bash Jones on. He's a co-founder of HomePlan. Welcome to the show. How's it going, Bash? Hey, Matt. How's it going? Thanks for having me. It is going super groovy. I'm chilling in, in my WeWork office that I don't come into very often, but when I do, I always enjoy the nice phone booths. How about you? <laughs> I'm just trying to get through the week. It's been uh, pretty crazy for us recently. So we, uh, we're currently in beta onboarding uh, our cohorts. So it's been sort of hectic, fixing a lot of bugs and, and figuring things out. All right. Well, so let's cover some, some, some holes then for people that are listening. So, to, you know, high level, you're on beta. That means you must have a product. I bet you it's called HomePlan. So like enlighten us, like what, what is HomePlan? What, what are you working on right now? So at Home Plan, we make it simple for homeowners to manage their entire homes in one place. Um, so we built basically a one-stop shop um, for everything home-related. So homeowners can pay bills, um, track home history, hire contractors, um, pretty much anything, create to-do lists, uh, you name it. Um, the reason I started working on this actually was, uh, this is my second startup, I want to mention that. My first startup we raised a little bit of money, uh, failed. I take full responsibility for that. But um, that first startup, I think one of the lessons I learned was uh, don't go, don't build a team or create, have a team go in search of problems to solve. You know, you should solve a problem that's very close to you or that someone around you has, right? And so the second time around with Home Plan, um, although my mother is an architectural drafter and I grew up around real estate and used to spend hours and days sometimes in her architectural firm's office, uh, watching her build models for homes and do blueprints and stuff like that. I never envisioned myself actually uh, being in the home or prop tech space, right? I became a homeowner during the pandemic in 2020. And uh, right before that, though, my mother's neighbor actually uh, asked me to help him get into his home one day. And um, because he had had hip replacement surgery, when I walked in his home, he had three giant commercial sized trash cans on a fold out table. So I thought he was renovating. And he said, no, actually it's been raining in my home for a year. Um, and I don't know where to turn. I, I don't trust contractors um, and I don't have any money because it was on a fixed income. And um, so I actually got him a free roof, <laughs> you know, and free gutters and everything else. And uh, the neighbors came and asked him like, hey, you know, congratulations on a new roof. Like, how can I get help? And uh, he told them to contact me. He gave, him, gave them my contact information and it went from there. Um, we've since helped, you know, over a hundred homeowners with their, the issues in, in their homes. And uh, before we built anything for home plan, um, we secured um, lender partners, insurance partners. Uh, we secured our first 
thousand dollars from our first job. Um, yeah, we we and we didn't we literally had not built a site. We didn't build an app. We didn't wrote zero lines of code and we made money and had partnerships uh, ready to roll. And that's literally the only reason we actually even incorporated is because we had to sign those partnership documents. So let's go into a little time machine. Um, so we're a year and a half from today and my future wife, I'm getting married in a month and I are looking for our first home. Um, you know, I haven't been home shopping before, you know, when I think about buying a home and like, you know, managing a home, all of my mind really goes to is like mortgage and uh, making sure you can afford it and figure everything else out. I'm curious, can you kind of like educate a, a future first time home buyer? Like what are the, like, what are the things that it takes to kind of manage a home? And what are the things that, that I may not be thinking about now that I should be thinking about, um, you know, come the time where I'm going shopping for a home. And once I get a home, you know, making sure I'm managing it properly. What every home shopper should <clears throat> think about before they sign the closing documents is the hidden cost of maintenance. Um, you should set aside anywhere between one to 4% of the annually of the total value of your home for maintenance um, or $1 per square foot. So the typical home size is 2,500 square feet. So you should save anywhere between 2,500 to $4,000 a year for uh, maintenance issues, right? Um, there have been numerous homeowners you know, countless homeowners every year, they sign on that dotted line, they get into their home and two months down the line, their, you know, HVAC goes out or, you know, they need a new refrigerator, things that they didn't plan for, right? And um, that's actually led to 50% of all homeowners regretting purchasing a home. So um, that's the number one thing that I would say that we're solving for the pain point is the, not only the hidden cost of maintenance, but, um, you know, what's interesting is you have, Carfax for cars, right? You can track the history of the car and know what you're buying, but um, there's no publicly available database or anything that, you know, where a homeowner can say, okay, let me look at home A. Okay, home A has these issues or whatever the case, whereas, you know, in your face, um, you, have to hire a, you have to hire an inspector, right? And the inspector sometimes misses things because they don't have x-ray vision. They can't see into walls. They can't poke holes in walls. You know, they can get on the roof, but they can't tell you exactly when that roof was put on and by whom, and if it has a warranty or if it was even done correctly. Um, they can guesstimate, you know, but the one thing that inspectors will tell you is that we can't, you know, they say that we've talked to plenty of home inspectors. The number one question they get is, would you buy this home? And they literally say legally, they cannot tell anyone that they would say, I, I would or I wouldn't buy this home, right? They don't want to take on that legal liability. Um, so I would say as a new homeowner, uh, that's the number one thing. And, and we're actually solving that um, at home plan. And I'm curious, how much of your day-to-day -day goes into kind of building product uh, versus like spending time, you know, at different homes, you know, I, I guess, I guess the question is what, what is a day in the life of, uh, of Bash Jones, you know, co-founder of this company and um, what, what do you spend your time on? So we're just a team of two. Uh, my co-founder and I, uh, Alex, he's based in Ireland. Uh, we're actually eight hours apart because I'm in California. Um, so a typical day for myself, um, I get up usually at um, three in the morning, every morning, uh, Monday through Friday. And 
<clears throat> 4 a.m., Alex and I hop on calls, uh, 4 a.m. 4 a.m. Pacific, we hop on calls. We go through any updates to the products, any feedback from homeowners um, on our site. We make it very apparent where homeowners can contact us and say, hey, this is wrong, or hey, suggest features or whatever the case. Um, we go through that stuff. We um, And then a lot of my time is actually spent on calls with homeowners and also potential partners because we're building out a marketplace with this in the background that's not currently available, right? So we, we spend a lot of time talking to potential partners, but also um, I would say most of my time is actually not only spent talking to homeowners, but also um, I do a lot of work for these homeowners myself. Um, so I have a background of um, rehabbing homes and renovating homes, right? So um, for instance, for one of our customers who we helped actually purchase a home from a St. Louis city land bank program. Um, I replaced our roof. I, I ripped it off. Uh, we have a very small maintenance team that I'm training um, how to do things like how to, how to repoint uh, brick, you know, masonry, how to rip off a roof, how to put on a new roof, so on and so forth. So um, she's pretty much allowed us to, since it's a fixer upper, she's pretty much allowed us to um, go in and help her do these things and use her home as a training ground. So um, a lot of my time has been spent there. I also, for another homeowner, I relayed her back patio. I installed a new um, um, video doorbell for her. I installed new door handles for her front door. Um, I leveled, leveled her bathroom floor. Um, so it, it's, it's a mix. It's meetings with potential partners. It's phone calls with homeowners. And then also I'm actually on site helping homeowners fix things. And also I'm not charging for my time. Um, and the last thing I would say is um, I have also been onboarding homeowners as sort of like their own personal concierge as well, because the typical homeowner, the average homeowner is uh, 52 years old in America. So they're not very tech savvy. Um, what we found is that actually their grandparent or their grandchildren or their kids are the ones who are like, hey, we love this. You should definitely use this. Um, and so, you know, I give them a crash course. They help them set it up and I help everyone set everything up. And uh, yeah, so, I'm busy. I'll put it yeah. that way. I'm busy. That, it's not just money through like Friday. It. It's not just money through Friday. So we have investors and some advisors too. And um, if you had a conversation with them, they'll tell you I never sleep. Um, and it's sort of true. It's not completely true, but it's sort of true. Uh, I don't get much sleep. So the statement you just said is something a lot of founders can, uh, um, you know, agree with from time to time, depending on kind of phases of companies. And you, you know, just like all of us, you know, are an early stage founder. So I'm mm -hmm. kind of curious, a two prong question, like, you know, wh what have you learned about, um, I guess, being a founder while working on home plan? And also, like, what is it like being a founder? in 2022 when you can log on to Twitter or Slack and get, you mm -hmm. know, so much access to, uh, to other, you know, founders and also investors. Is that good or is it bad? Like, yeah, mm -hmm. what's it like being a founder in 2022 in your perspective? Uh, before I get to the, what's it like being a founder today? Uh, I'll, I'll address what you mentioned at first. Uh, what I've learned being a founder is you have to be very malleable. Um, you can, you can have an idea to start to, you, you can say, Hey, this is, the solution we want to build to solve X problem, right? But you may have the wrong solution. So, you know, people may not, users or people may not want your particular solution. And while you're, what typically tends to happen or tends to happen is you build a solution, you have people, first of all, you should get feedback before you build anything. You should build, try to build a community. You should also, um, while you're building it, constantly talk to your users. 
you know, do whatever you can to get users using it and giving you feedback so that you can actually build something that they actually want, right? Um, I think where a lot of first-time founders go wrong, and I went wrong too, is you they build within their own echo chamber. They build, they say, I know these people have this problem. I know how to solve it. My solution is the best, right? That doesn't work for us. We don't do that. Um, I made that mistake the first time and I am not making that mistake this time, right? Um, so yeah, I would say that's the number one thing I learned. You have to be malleable. You have to be um, willing to listen and willing to implement quickly um, and iterate quickly based on the customer feedback. Um, for us, we have a policy of best, best idea wins. And also uh, when it comes to feedback, we listen very intently. Um, we, we have removed all ego from our product. It has nothing to do with us. Um, we're simply the ones who are, we're like a vessel, right? We're the ones who are, or we're like the workers building a vessel, right? Um, and we just have to figure out what people want. As far as what it's like being a founder today <clears throat> in 2022, what I would say is, um, it's interesting. Um, <clears throat> I, <laughs> I don't spend a crap ton of time on Twitter, but I spend enough time to know that um, it's generally a waste of time. Um, however, I've met some great people uh, via Twitter, including yourself. Um, and Twitter has been very um, useful in my professional career because also when I worked in music, uh, I got my first placement through Twitter uh, <laughs> with a major label artist, right? I didn't know so, that it was, I didn't know that was through Twitter. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And um, so it's, 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 you know, it's, it's information overload today, right? Everyone has an opinion about everything. Um, everyone believes that you should be doing what they believe you should be doing. And you have to kind of drown out the noise and, and be, stay hyper-focused. And I used to hate this phrase when everyone said they were heads down building because it became like kind of like a, oh, it's what everybody's doing, right? Or and everybody's saying. But you actually have to stay heads down and, and you know, drown out the noise and um, focus on what you're building and um, just ignore, you know, whatever's not useful to helping you get from zero to one, um, you have to drown it out and ignore it basically. Um, and it's extremely difficult to do because I'm also a black founder and we know, you know, there are issues with black founders and uh, Latinx founders not being able to raise money and things of that nature. And I get it. Um, I believe that what a lot of black and Latinx founders point out, um, I, I believe that we have a lot of valid points for some of the, you know, statements we make. However, um, I also believe that you kind of need to um, get in the game first before you, you know, um, because it, you need to get in the game to make change, right? Uh, because you think you know how it works if you're on the outside looking in, but until you get in the game, you have no idea, right? Um, it's like watching sports. We all wish, we all think we could be like LeBron if we were 6'8", right? But the reality is it's more than likely we never would have turned out to be like LeBron, right? Um, I think a lot of founders are pretty much throwing stones at, at glass houses. And by the way, when it comes to VCs, I think a lot of VCs are very biased. And, uh, you know, I, it's difficult, however, um, because I see everybody's point on both sides, right? Um, one thing I will say that I would like to see investors change is their pattern matching data or the reliance upon it, um, because you can't continue to say, hey, we believe in diversity, but we our pattern matching data doesn't um, show outsized returns for Black and Latinx founders. Well, you never gave anybody any money to to actually quantify it, right? 
So it's, it's a lot of distraction as a founder today, but, um, you know, I kind of wish, I, I kind of hearken for the days where, you know, like Steve Jobs and those guys were building companies, right? Because they didn't have the distraction of social media. Totally. It's so interesting. I feel like um, I wrote a post on what, like the ultimate accelerator for founders, not startups, but founders. And it's the social network that came out in 2010. I feel like at that mm-hmm. point, it made like being, being a founder, like so cool. And mm-hmm. it, um you know, I feel like we is just continue to, to grow of like, you know, how cool it is to be a founder. And it's become, I feel like harder and harder for like the purebred founders to kind of find, find their tribe um, and find, find their people to kind of, um, uh, you know, confide in and ask questions and kind of like vent to. I'm curious for you, like, it, it, you know, taking a step, you know, further of what you said, you know, being a founder in 2022, like, how have you kind of found your tribe? Like, do, do, do you have groups of founders or investors or kind of tech groups that you're, you're a part of? Um, and it, I guess this follow-up question is like, how did you, you know, decide to pick them versus like the thousands, the hundreds of thousands of options out there? I guess the real question is, how do you separate signal from noise? if you're a new founder in 2022 and you want to kind of get involved with different organizations? Yeah. So when it comes to founders, what I've found is, so there are a few like Michael Aubrey, he, he runs motion box, <clears throat> um, Logan from sugar security. Um, there are a few other founders that I've started to build rapport with and, and um, you know, what's, what's how I tend to um, start building, I guess you can say my tribe is, we tend to help one another um, just randomly, you know, like with Michael, with Motionbox, um, for instance, we needed to track user interactions and everything. And Michael sent me an email um, where he did a walkthrough of how he tracks his user interactions using Woopra, right? And, um, you know, he suggested that we implement it and, you know, use that software. Um, Logan, he's doing our cybersecurity for our company and uh, he's a great, very intelligent, you know, founder and, and guy. And, um, you know, he's very approachable. I, I think for me, I want to be around people who are very approachable, people who are willing to give a little bit of their time, uh, because I'm always willing to meet new people. And, and um, you know, most people make the mistake of believing that I'm an extrovert. I'm not I'm very much so an introvert. Um, and I've always been that way. However, um, my mother actually said to me recently, she was like, you know, when you grew up, you were very quiet to yourself. And even though I was popular uh, in school or whatever the case, I never wanted to be. Um, and so I've always been kind of to myself, but now um, I've started to build much more of a network. And, you know, we've all, like I said, started helping one another. And um, yeah, so I, I just, it, it, the thing for me too, is I want to make this clear that <clears throat> I don't believe in living within silos or echo chambers, right? Um, I think they can become dangerous. So if everyone within your network or group looks like you, talks like you, has the same background, comes from where you come from, and you never experience, you know, all the other different people and who have, you know, a multitude of experiences, right? Um, I think that's very dangerous. And uh, I try to surround myself with folks who don't come from where I come from and who don't, you know, we don't have the same backgrounds. And uh, the last thing I would like to say about is that about that is that we don't all agree on everything. And guess what? At the end of the day, that's okay. We still want to help one another. We still give each other time. Um, we don't all agree politically. We don't all agree about solutions to societal problems um, or even how to build a startup for that matter. Um, but we we continue to help one another and it's been great. 
I'm curious, going back to home plan, I mean, you're, you're in the earliest days, right? You know, and, and uh, um, you know, startups, you know, when they go well, like they become very big companies, they create lots of change in the world, positive change. And it's, um, that's really a great thing. So I'm curious for you, like, what do you see as the, the big vision for what you're working on um, at home plan and kind of what direction you're rowing in as you build this out with your co-founder over the next five, 10, 15, 20 years? So I won't share what our uh, grand vision for home plan is publicly yet. It's too early. Um, but what I will say is we don't plan on being a prop tech company uh, forever. Um, <clears throat> the only the only problem we're trying to solve right now is we want to simplify home ownership for homeowners. Um, it's the it's generally the largest purchase you'll ever make in your life. And it's pretty asinine that there's never been anything to help you manage it. You know, you can hire a financial advisor for your finance. You can, you know, check the car fast history, like I mentioned earlier on a car. But when it comes to a home, it's like, hey, dump all this money in and don't keep any sort of uh, verifiable records on anything. And, you know, that can be passed down. So we just want to simplify home ownership and take away the pain, all the pain points. Um, what I personally believe is that a lot of the players in the real estate um, industry um, make it, they want it to be fragmented. Um, they don't want people to understand how best to take care of their homes or, you know, these things um, because it's best to keep people in the shadows and not knowing, right. Because then they can charge whatever they want to charge. And, you know, a lot of times homeowners are getting ripped off. Um, we just want to be that trusted, you know, not just, a platform that says, hey, use our tools, right? We want to be the trusted partner for homeowners where they can say, hey, I know home plan has my back. Um, and, you know, that's why we're going to, what I believe one of our moats will be, will be uh, customer success, you know, um, talking to homeowners, helping them solve their problems and pretty much not charging them. You know, I know a lot of investors who've told us, oh, you should charge for concierge, right? Why? Why should we charge for every single nickel and dime homeowners who are already nickel and dimed? Why should we continue to nickel and dime them or charge them for something that, you know, we just want to be helpful with, you know? And speaking of being helpful, I mean, you are, you know, like I mentioned, earliest days of building a startup, like, you know, in startups, the only way that you make it happen is with, with a tribe, you know, with, with a team, with investors, things like that. So my question for you is how can the forward thinking founders and the seed scout community kind of assist with what you're doing? I mean, are you in a hiring mode? You're looking to meet homeowners. Um, are you, you know, looking to raise money? You know, what, what are kind of, what are kind of the top focuses in, in, in your brain right now and top priorities that we can help you with? So top priorities for us right now, we are not currently looking to expand our team. Um, we're very technical. We can build um, our product across. Um, so we can build web and app across iOS and Android as well. So we don't need outside help, technical help right now. Um, I would say for us, we are about to kick off our pre-seed fundraising. Um, and so, you know, for us, we would also like to actually meet more homeowners, clearly. You know, we want more homeowners on our wait list. So if you're a homeowner out there, you can go to joinhomeplan.com and uh, sign up for the wait list. We are onboarding um, our cohort, our one of our first cohorts right now. Um, tell them, you know, tell me in the note or whatever that Matt sent you, and I'll uh, give you earlier access than, than other folks. And then just to, to wrap um 
to, to wrap this up, uh, and this might lead to a few, a few other, a few other questions, but just kind of to, to finish up the theme here, what is one, um, you know, one piece of advice um, or a couple pieces of advice, if you have multiple, that you would give to a founder that, let's say they just got an idea yesterday and then you're just like, they just Googled Y Combinator for the first time, like Silicon Valley for the first time. They're just like eyes completely wide open, ready to dive into this world of startups. What would be um, some advice that you have for like kind of a founder just getting started? Yeah, so validate your idea as quickly as possible. Um, and by validating, I mean, go and ask people if they have that problem if and if they would pay for a solution to that problem. Um, another thing you should think about is, um, is the industry or the market you want to enter? Is it um, a space where there's, you know, people are solving that problem with pen and paper or fax, you know, still sending faxes? If it is, there's an opportunity there, but you should definitely talk to customers before you build anything. Um, I, I think a lot of founders, and I kind of touched on this earlier, a lot of founders start building something before they talk to anybody just because they got an idea and just because today is so simple to, to build something, right? Versus back in the day. Um, you have no code tools now today that pretty much makes it accessible for almost anybody with a computer to um, get something up, right? Even if it's just a landing page, you can validate your idea from a landing page. I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Robinhood reached like a million signups before they, uh, now this they, they had very large regulatory hurdles they had to get over, but they still validated the idea early because they had, I think, a million signups to their wait list, you know. Um, there were some other folks who reached a million signups to their wait list, too. So a wait list, landing page, talk to people before you build anything. Um, don't go out and try to raise money. Raise money for what? <laughs> you don't have anything, right? Um, and also, no one typically will know who you are unless you, you know, come from a certain network or certain background or whatever. Um, I would say educate yourself. There's a lot of material out there, a lot of content. You can listen to a lot of podcasts, like This Week in Startups with Jason Calcanis. You can listen to um, uh, even Gary Tan from Initialize, right? He has a, a YouTube channel. Justin Khan has a YouTube channel. Um, you can listen to folks like that in other podcasts. Uh, you can you should buy the Lean Startup Method from you know Eric Reese. You should um, um, also is it was it Andrew Chin with the Code Start problem? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, so educate yourself as much as uh, possible and validate as quickly as possible. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I mean, I am super bullish on what you're working on at Home Plan. I think it's like such like a large opportunity, and I think you guys are solving it in like a super thought, super thoughtful way. So, and I'm glad that the forward thinking founders, uh, uh, listenership now knows what you're doing. So, thanks again for coming on. No problem. I appreciate you having me. Uh, can I actually leave you with one thing? Um, you know, it's, you know what's interesting, uh, and I forgot to mention this earlier, why is it that uh, so many founders today in PropTech are building solutions for investors and landlords and um, in the PropTech space, right? Or there, but no one's focused on homeowners at all. You know, um, only one in five homes are owned by an investor, yet everyone is building for the, the investor who's buying one in five homes. You know, they're, they're forgetting about the folks, the four out of five folks who buy homes to actually live in. Um, and I think that's, I think, you know, to touch on what you said about you, you're bullish on home plan. So am I, because, you know, we're, uh, I think what we're doing is a very overlooked piece of um, the prop tech real estate space. Well, my, my perspective on, on what you just said is, you know, in, in 2022, and it's not just 2022, in the last decade, people build for where the money is 
and not necessarily where the money is going and not necessarily where the problems are. If someone sees, oh, if I build for this, you know, I can raise $2 million. If I, if I build in this space, I'm going to build in that space. But in my perspective, you know, the real long-term thinkers, the real, you know, missionaries and the visionaries don't care where the money's at. They solve right. the problems that the real world deals with. And, uh, you know, when people do that the money absolutely follows um so that's 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 why you know it's what it's what you're doing and it'll pay off in droves you know like that that's the strategy like you know solve invisible problems to 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 the people building for like the smaller segments and like you'll get the whole market exactly and and once the market hits that inflection point hey we're already already going to be hopefully the market leader there so there you go I'm talking to the to the future market lead here. I'm mean, the current market lead, just no one knows it yet. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, now they do because he came on to the podcast. Uh, well, Bash, thanks for coming on. Um, I wish you the best of luck building that home plan. I'm excited to be part of the journey and uh, keep on keeping on. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Matt.